Welcome. Thanks for tuning in to the Church LV podcast. We hope that this word brings you encouragement today. Keep up with everything happening at Church LV by following us on YouTube at Church LV or Instagram at the Church LV. We are about to jump in today, so get ready to take some notes and lean in. God bless. Psalm 62, verse 1. Here we go. You ready? This is the Passion Translation. I've been, I've been meditating on Psalm 62 for three weeks. I stand silently to listen for the one I love, waiting as long as it takes for the Lord to rescue me. For God alone, somebody say, God alone. Say it with some energy, God alone. Look at your neighbor and say, God alone. Look at your neighbor and say, God alone. For God alone has become my Savior. Listen to me. Some, something or someone's going to become your God when you're facing things. Listen to me. Don't let that bottle become your Savior. Don't let that drug, come on, become your Savior. Don't let all the darkness, come on. I'm going to tell you, the psychologists and mental health experts will tell you this, that you're going to reach for something. You're going to reach because watch me, we're looking to medicate our pain. God is not looking to medicate your pain. He wants to come and walk with you in your pain. He wants to comfort you. Come on, somebody, in your pain. Oh, man. He alone, God alone is my safe place. His wraparound presence always protects me. For he is my champion defender. There is no risk of failure with God. So why would I let worry paralyze me? Even when troubles multiply around me. Oh, I could just preach this, but I got to get to my next text. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Speaking of Jesus' disciples, Jesus has been teaching. Jesus has been doing some things. And then Jesus says, okay, I'm done here. I'm done here. And now I need to go somewhere else. He said, later that day after it grew dark, Jesus preached a long time. It was daylight when Jesus preached. Now it's dark. Some of you, listen to me, you preach too long. I wish I was in the days of Jesus. You would be hungry. (laughs) You would be so hungry. When is he going to be done? Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over. Let us cross over to this side of the lake. Verse 36, after they had sent the crowd away, very interesting, he sent the crowd away. He says, guys, we got to pull away from the crowd. He sent the crowd away. They shoved off from shore with them as he had been teaching from the boat. And there were other boats that sailed with them. Suddenly, somebody say suddenly. Come on, Seven Hills, say suddenly. You're not Seven Hills. Seven Hills, say suddenly. Suddenly, thank you. Suddenly, as they were crossing the lake, a ferocious tempest arose. Let me, let me contextualize it for us. Man, I'm just going with Jesus, and man, I got hit with a problem, with a situation that suddenly came up in my life. I can't believe the doctor just told me I have that. I can't believe that, 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 that now my marriage looks like it's not going to be. I can't believe that my kids are going. I can't believe I lost my job. I can't believe I've been mandated. I can't believe all this. With the violent winds and waves that were crashing into the boat until it was all but swamped. But Jesus was calmly sleeping in the stern, resting on a cushion. So they shook him awake, saying, Teacher, don't you even care? They were about to die. Fully awake, he rebuked the storm. 
Another translation says, he rebuked the wind and spoke to the sea. Hush, calm down. Hush, calm down. If I was Jesus, I would have looked at the disciples and said, disciples, hush, you calm down. I was sleeping. Does anybody like me, like when you finally get in a good deep sleep and somebody wakes you? How many know that you just want to go, come on, Diablo on them? I know you're not bilingual. That means devil on them. How many, look, wave your hand, all locations, that when you're in a deep sleep, the worst thing somebody could do is wake you up. You want to go off on them. Uh-huh. Jesus, uh, Jesus didn't, didn't hush them. He said, hush, calm down. And all at once the wind stopped. Jesus wasn't speaking to watch me, the seen. He was speaking to the unseen. Can I tell you this way? Because I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But you have to be careful because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But there are principalities and powers and rules of darkness and all at once, the wind, the wind, the wind stopped howling, and the water became perfectly calm. Then he turned, then he turned to disciples and said to them, Why are you so afraid, bro? This is crazy. What, what do you mean, Jesus? Why are we so afraid? Like wind, waves, boat almost sinking. But he says this, haven't you learned to trust yet? Jesus is linking not circumstances, situations to fear, but a lack of trust to fear. That's good, somebody said. Look at verse 41. I think, oh, is that, I think that's, that's done. And, and oh yeah, but they were overwhelmed with fear and awe and said to one another, this is so powerful. Who is this man who has such authority that even the wind and the waves obey him? Who is this Jesus? I think the question to be asked in today's culture, not outside of the church, but inside of the church is, who is this Jesus we're really worshiping? Because I'm going to lay this out for all of us, that there's so much more to Jesus than you even know. <laughs> Father, thank you for your word. Help me to preach, Lord God, long, not short. How me to preach on fire, not dead. But Lord, that's my prayer for me. But let me pray for them. I pray that you make them alive. I pray that everybody that's listening would be receptive. I pray that every devil, demon, and principality and power that has lied to them, it's going to be broken off of everybody in the name of Jesus. Give them life. Give them excitement. Let them, God, receive what heaven is saying. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said... Amen. One more five-second praise break. All locations. Put your hands together. You may be seated. I want to share with you this, this thought, sleeping in the storm. Sleeping in the storm. That does not make sense to any of us because most of us, if not all of us, will not sleep in this kind of a storm. Make no mistake about it. We have been in a storm for a rather long time. I'm not interested in your political view. I'm not interested if you're, if you're a donkey or an elephant. I'm not interested if you're red or blue. I'm not interested in who you voted for. I am telling you, the world has been in a storm for a long time. We're in a storm economically. We're in a storm with inflation. We're in a storm with all kinds of stuff. I went to go fill up at Costco because Costco is the cheapest gas, and I realized I'm paying $3.50 a gallon which means all you people that aren't as smart as me are going to the regular gas stations and paying about $4 a gallon. If you were smart, you would say, Pastor, can I borrow your, your, your Costco card? Yep, for a fee. 
I mean, if you, if you shop lately, you, you know that groceries are going up and, and we are in a storm. And some people are predicting like, 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 like a hurricane, like a typhoon is coming. Like, be careful. And all this stuff. And I could feel the stress building. I could feel the fear building. I could, I could feel the anxiety building. Why? Because we are, we are having this sense of we are losing control. But can I tell you, control is an illusion. You never really have control. The only thing you have control over is yourself. The only thing you really have control over is how you think and how you process. And even that, depending upon what has happened to you. I'm reading a book called, uh, called uh, Limitless by Jim Quick. And it's a great read about the brain. And I've been really intrigued over the last year about the brain and, and neuroplasticity and and just how we process and how God has made us in such a way. And I have friends that are psychologists. I have friends that are therapists. I have friends that I'm learning from. And it's so crazy because it is so much of it is so biblical. And he makes this statement in the book. He says, he says, you know, your upbringing and what you've experienced has formed you into what you are today. But now your choices will determine who you become tomorrow. But what we do is we now focus in the storm and what happened to me. And this is the way I'm going to be the rest of my life. No, this is who you are today. But new choices and new thoughts determine who you'll become. Come on, somebody, tomorrow. You can hang on to that victim mentality. You can hang on to somebody owes me. You can hang on to, I'm going to blame somebody. I'm going to blame my mom and my dad because they didn't change my diaper and I carried around a load for too long. And, and now you see a diaper and you go to trauma. Now I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm trying to make it a little bit funny, but it's, it, there are triggers in all of our lives. My, my therapist's name is Randy, and, and Randy is very discreet. Randy doesn't tell me. Some of my friends, I don't know what's happened with your life. You go see Randy. I, I have no idea and because I want him to be discreet with your stuff, and I want him to be discreet with my stuff. But most of the stuff that I'm dealing with, if I'm not careful, is because I'm dealing with triggers from my past. I'm dealing with storms that I've been through, and, and I realize there's some things that I have not allowed God to deal with. And when I don't allow God to deal with a past storm, surely a present one is going to take me deeper if I'm not careful. I'm preaching, Benny, you're saying amen. Listen to me. To go see Randy is going to cost you a lot of money, and you're getting it for free. Listen, and what I need to tell you is that there are storms that will hit your life. I was talking to one of my sons. I said, what causes stress, son? And he says, you know what, well, Dad, what causes stress is, is unforeseen circumstances, unforeseen circumstances that happen in situations that happen. So what you're telling me is I'm going to have to deal with this high amount of stress the rest of my life if I link stress to unforeseen circumstances, if I link stress to things I didn't know were coming, because that's going to happen the rest of your life. He goes, that's a good point, Dad. But I said, could it be? It's not what happens to you, but how you process it. Because if we're kingdom people, and we're Bible people, we're Jesus people, that he's given us the tools and the answers for whatever we're facing in our life. I love this story because this story is filled with so much, I think, present day reality. 
And we find this story in, in Acts, excuse me, in the book of Mark chapter four, and we read it that Jesus has been teaching from a boat, and he's teaching this crowd, and then Jesus says, okay, guys, we're done here. I need to take you, and we need to go to the other side. And so the Bible says they get into this boat, and it's interesting because in this text, God gave me five things to share with you that if you would not just pass the time, but you would actually engage and maybe write it in your phone or write it down or grab your neighbor's arm and write the points on their arm. Whatever it is to stay engaged. And I'm going to say something. I would ask you, unless it's an emergency, that you stay sitting for the whole movie because you're going to miss the best part, Eternals. Come on, somebody. Just saw the movie. It's incredible. Okay, and so, so I love this because Jesus is the one that we find in the story that he is the only one that is sleeping in a storm. And this is what we say. We say, oh, of course he's sleeping in a storm because he's the son of God. But did you know that Jesus had to live his life as a natural human being? That he didn't have any superpowers. The only superpower he had was when the Holy Spirit filled him and baptized him, which is the same Holy Spirit that fills you and baptizes me. The reason why Jesus came down, and he was 100% God, 100% man, but he laid down a lot of his, his ability as, as God himself because he wanted to show that you could live this life with the power of the Holy Spirit, with knowing that you're loved unconditionally by a Father, that you could actually live an overcoming life. Because if Jesus was doing it as 100% God and no man, then we say, okay, good God, Good on you, God. That's why you're God. But he's 100% man and 100% God. So we can look and say, Jesus, if you did it, you could help us overcome also. Notice what he says. Number one, write this down. First point is that you can actually sleep through a storm is this. He says, us is better than me. He said, let us cross over to the other side. He said, us. Remember when I was preaching last week that, that I was talking about the power of us? Talking about Jesus sent them out two by two. And if you're not careful, what happens is, is that we begin to live life isolated. When we go through things, we go through situations, and it's like, man, woe is me. And why is this happening to me? And why am I going through this? And listen to me. I know that is a thought pattern because that's my thought pattern. But Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. What's Jesus implying? He is implying that life should be lived with other people in your life and not you trying to do it by yourself. This implies a journey. This implies that Jesus is taking us somewhere, that there's a path of life, and we don't know what's going to come up in that path of life, but if Jesus is with us, then we could say, God, I could trust you. If you're taking me somewhere, I'm going to trust you. Now, it's very interesting that Jesus let us, and then it says something so weird and random in the text. It says, and so they left the multitude behind. They left the crowd Behind. And here's what God wanted me to tell somebody, and he really emphasized it this morning, because I know we fell back and we're supposed to get an extra hour of sleep. I just woke up an extra hour early. I go, my God, it's 4.30. What's going on? Because I woke, I, I'm a morning person. Just, just, I'm wired to be morning. Wendy is wired that breakfast is at noon. <laughs> Thus, we don't see each other for 12 hours. Come on, somebody. That's why our marriage is so good. Praise God. <laughs> That's a joke. Laugh. And I begin to think about this, that Jesus is saying, guys, let us, implying us is better than me. 
It's not just you and Jesus, it's you, Jesus, and others. Isn't it weird, if I can say it to you this way, when people are going through things, I will ask myself, hey, where's this person been? Oh, pastor, they're going through something. We reached out to them. They said, you know, we're just staying away from church right now. We're going through a tough time. Are you <laughs> The place you need to be when you're acting psychotic. Because the worst place to be is alone in your own thoughts. Okay, I'm going to preach myself happy a little bit here. Have you ever had crazy thoughts before? Raise your hand right now, you crazy people. Okay, let's get real real. How many are dealing with crazy thoughts right now? Come on, wave your hand at me. I know, I saw your eyes. I said security. Watch them. Watch them. Check their bag. Check their pockets. Want them. The most craziest place to be is alone with your own thoughts. You need somebody who's going to challenge your thoughts. You need somebody in your life that tells you, whether it's a therapist, a friend, a pastor, somebody that says you're not thinking right. No, that's not right. No, you're not alone. God is with you. No, God is for you. No, God has a plan. No, God has power. No, God has provision. We don't need to be alone with ourselves in the darkness of our lives. It's interesting that Jesus says, he says, okay, guys, let us, I'm taking you somewhere. I'm taking you on a journey, and we're going to go to the other side. Metaphorically, it's like God is saying to us, listen, you've been here, and this is good, but I got other things for you. I got good news for you. I'm not going to allow the pandemic. I'm not going to allow 2020. I'm not going to allow the trauma. I'm not going to allow the pain to define what God will or won't do in my life. We are going over, baby. We are going to other things. God has a better place. God has a better stuff. God is still with us. Somebody say amen to that. So it's interesting, though, because I, I found it intriguing that Jesus says, let us, and then he says, and they left the crowd behind. Now, here's the crazy thing, because the disciples didn't know it, but you know it, because when you read the Bible, you get the whole story. But the disciples don't know, come on, verse 37. If they knew verse 37, they never would have got in the boat. <laughs> Wave at me. Because you read scripture, says, oh, how stupid. What's wrong with them? You know the whole freaking story. <laughs> you would have never left Egypt if you knew the Red Sea was going to stand before you. He says, okay, we're good. I like oatmeal. I'm all right. Isn't it funny that we settle for bondage and less than because we become familiar with our dysfunction. Rather than say, God, you can deliver me from what I've been troubled with the rest of all of my life. See, some of you, frustration is your friend. The reason why frustration is your friend, it creates this thing inside of you. And what you try and do is get rid of your frustration. But the frustration is put many times by God himself inside of you. You get frustrated because you say, man, is this the way my life is going to be the rest of And I'm here to tell you, frustration will lead to revelation, which will lead to information, which will change, which will lead to transformation. Oh, I got to go to Holy Ghost tangent right now. Because, because, see, some of you, some of us, 
We don't like it when somebody gets in our face. See, the problem is, is if you don't like correction, that means you don't like growth. If you don't like to submit to authority, you don't like growth. If you can't submit at your job, then find another one. You know what's trippy about life? The church is the only place that people keep coming to a specific church that they don't like. Complain about it. It's too loud. The pastor, I can't follow his thoughts. He dresses like he's 30. Better than dressing like I'm 80 and you're only 40. No, no. It's the only place. It's like me going to a restaurant I despise. And show up and let me talk to the chef. I want Chinese food. It's Italian, bro. You need to have Chinese food. The church is the only place that you keep going back to. A specific local church. If you don't like church LV, go to Central. Go to Hope. There's a lot of, but don't try and change the Mexican food. Into grilled cheese. Don't go to a workout place and say, I'm a Pilates person. Where's the Pilates? We don't do Pilates here. You don't keep going back. You don't invite more people to come. Hey, let's go over here and just tell them that they need to do Pilates. Someone look at you. You're crazy, bro. Let's go to the Pilates place. Jesus, let's, let's leave the crowd behind. I'm going to tell you the reason why this is so significant in the text because God many times must lead you away from relationships that have taken you nowhere. I'm going to go here. What is so interesting about the text is we know Jesus is leading them into a storm. Jesus is leading them into a difficult place. And let me say it to you this way because this is what the Holy Ghost told me. He said, tell my people this. I'm going to tell you this. I'd rather be in a storm with Jesus than a crowd without Christ. I'll say it again. I'd rather be going into a storm with Jesus than being in a crowd without Christ. <laughs> Jesus is implying something that he's taking us somewhere. Pastor, life doesn't feel like it's taking me anywhere good, anywhere bad. I know if you're leading yourself, you could have that thought. But I choose to believe that the steps of a good man, a good woman, ordered by the Lord. I choose to believe that God, come on, somebody is ordering my steps. And even when it doesn't look good, even when it doesn't look like God is moving, God is still doing something. That's better than me. Number two, take, that, take down this next note. Surprises apply to me, not to Jesus. Surprises apply to me, but not to God. That's why you got to change your prayer. God, didn't you know? Oh, stop the madness. God knows then. Why did he allow it to happen? And, and why is this happening? Why is it going on? Listen to me. Surprises always apply to me, but they don't apply to Jesus. The Bible says that they go and suddenly a storm arises. It was not expected. There was no preparation made. It suddenly appeared. This was a lake that these fishermen knew, and these fishermen knew sometimes there would be storms coming up, but not this one. This one was different. This one was intense. 
Look at the storms in your life. Look at the storms in my life. Many of times they've been unpredictable and they've been lost. Separation, the, your health, the economy. And it's very interesting because now they are surprised, but Jesus isn't. Jesus is actually now sleeping in the boat. Now, let me take you back a few thousand years and you grew up as a Hebrew and you had Hebrew culture, Hebrew thought. Storms to the Hebrew individual, man or woman, metaphorically represented evil forces fighting against you. So what they thought is the storm is evil forces that are trying to stop me. That thought was actually accurate here. Because we're going to see something in the text. But I want to just settle your heart just for a second. How many of you are going through something right now? Can I see your hand? You're going through something. Wave your hand. Okay. You're going through something, some challenges, some stuff. And listen to me. It didn't surprise God. So here's the next question. Then why did God allow it? You ready for the answer? Are you ready? How many are ready for the answer? I don't know. That was so deep, wasn't it? <laughs> Pastor, you're supposed to know. <laughs> but if I know all things, then I don't need the one that does know all things. See, because we're so wired. I need to know. You're so wired. I need to know the reasons why. No, you don't. Okay, let me try this section over here. No, you don't. Because then, because then, then, even if God gave you the reasons, you would disagree with the reasons why He gave you the reasons. Okay, you don't, you don't like that. Ask my wife, why are you doing that? Give me the reasons, Wendy. She gives me the reasons. I said that's stupid. Now I know you wouldn't probably tell God that, but you do in your heart. It's not surprising to Jesus. He's leading him into the storm. I would have been mad at Jesus. Hey, Jesus knew this. <laughs> Peter, I told you you shouldn't have got in. You're the fisherman. You said it's going to be okay. I'm a doctor. Like, really? Have you ever been mad at God because you presumed he was leading you to a, to a dead end rather than a destination? God. We look at dead ends and God says, no, it's a new destination. Storm, getting crazy, getting wild. Brings me to the third point. Responses are always linked to perception. You could have two people seeing the same thing, facing the same challenges, and it's not the circumstances or, or situations, but it's your perception. Let me say it to you this way. You don't see things as they are. You see things as you are. So good. No response. Let me say it to you this way. You don't see things as they are. Come on, you see things as you are. That's why, can I tell you, quit tripping over all the stuff that you have no control over. Why don't you begin to say, you know what? I'm going to renew my mind. I know who I am. I know whose I am. I'm going to begin to see life in kingdom 
mindset. I need to see, come on, life through a kingdom set of glasses. I need to begin to see things differently. Why? Because watch, they are now in the same place, seeing the same thing, but Jesus was sleeping in the boat. Can I tell you this? The text is clear. That as long as the storm, the wind and the waves stayed outside the boat, there was no fear. As long as the water didn't get in the boat, there was no fear. But when the water started filling up the inside of the boat is when fear came in. So what it says to us, it's never linked to the outside, but to the inside. Holy Ghost wants me to ask you, what is filling up your mind? What is filling up your heart? What is filling up your perspective? What is filling you? Because whatever is filling you up determines how your life goes. It's not what happens to us, but how we respond to life. I could tell when stuff's getting inside of you by how you talk. Because what's inside of you leaks out of your mouth. Your mouth gives you away. You can smile, say, I'm positive. Let me hang out with you for about 30 minutes. Ooh. <laughs> That's nasty water that's been in there for a while. You know when water stays somewhere for too long? It becomes stagnant. It becomes a dead sea. I just got to hang out with you a little while. Just a little while, especially when you're going through it. I, I like, I like to, and I'm not throwing shade on you, but you need to understand, Pastor, I don't really know. You know, no, no, no. Just stop and record yourself. All right. Ooh, that's bad. Because stuff like this comes out. It always happens to me. It works out for everybody but me. I've been tithing. Where's the blessing? Okay, nobody wants to respond to that one. Your words determine what's been leaking inside of your life. So all of a sudden now things happen. Out of the blue, I get a phone call. Out of the blue, I get the phone call on a Friday from the L.A. coroner. I'm shook. And everything in me wanted to drive home, get back in bed, send somebody to go get me some strawberry Pop-Tarts. I can eat a whole freaking box of Pop-Tarts. Strawberry ones. Why? Because I'll get under sugar high and feel better for a moment. And then I crash. Listen to me. I had everything crashing outside of me. But I didn't let it get inside of me. Because I knew. No. No, God. Thank you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to go in and worship you. I'm going to worship because the joy of the Lord is my strength. In your presence, God, there's fullness of joy. In your presence, there's comfort. And I came and I worship right there. And I worship with my hands up. And I begin to shout. I begin to dance. Why? Because I didn't want the storm on the outside to leak in the inside. 
You know how much stuff, how much stuff started coming up from my childhood. How much stuff that was coming up. How much stuff. And the enemy was saying, yeah, you were rejected. Yeah, look what happened. All this stuff. And I'm battling. And I'm battling. And thank God it wasn't me, me, me. But it was us. It was my wife. It was friends that were texting me. And they were saying, we love you. You're going to make it through. We're praying for you. Listen to me, baby. If somebody's going to leak in, let it be a positive mindset from the Word of God of some friends. Clap your hands. I'm preaching really good today. In the book, in the book Limitless, he documents that the Mayo Clinic has determined, after a lot of research, I said, just read the Bible. Save yourself money, which you'll research. They said this, that a positive mindset leads to almost a 90% reduction in stress, heart disease, blood pressure, and other ailments with a positive mindset. Imagine a positive mindset linked to the eternal one named Jesus. Imagine what would happen. One of my good friends happens to be Joel Osteen. Everybody know who he is? I know he's kind of unknown. Someone recently asked me, uh, I've seen your commercial with Joel Osteen. Do you really know him? I said, yeah, I know him. Well, because I know, Pastor, because sometimes you say my friend, and then we find out they're not really your friend. <laughs> well, the problem with you is, is that I follow the Bible. I call those things that be not as though they are. No, I think, you know, that you, I know you think that's silly. That's just, that's just that, that just blab it, grab it, confess it, possess it. Well, how's it working the other way for you? How's it being negative, critical, being the victim, thinking everybody's against you? How does that work for you, bro? I'd rather blab it and grab it, confess it, possess it. So my good friend, LeBron James, my good friend, Kevin Durant, my good friend, Stephen Curry, my good friend, Elon Musk, we're going to name the court after you. When you give that 10 million, he would never put his name on that card. Oh, yeah, I would. Mm hmm. I'd put his face on that court for $10 million. Mm hmm. I go to the wax museum, say, Make me, make me a wax statue of Elon Musk to greet everybody that comes into the transformation center. <laughs> I know he's kidding. No, I'm not. No, no, he could open up a Tesla dealership right here. It's all good. I don't care. <laughs> I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> Who was I talking about originally? Yeah, Joe Lostein. Thank you so much. <laughs> Somebody asked me about Joe Lostein, people. They asked me, Mark Schick, they asked me about, about, about Joe Lostein. They go, he can't be that positive all the time. I say, yeah, he is. Does he know that a lot of people don't like him? I don't think so. <laughs> you know the one who criticizes my friend Joel Osteen the most is Christians. Okay, let's go there because I got a response. He's not deep. He doesn't preach repentance from sin. Well, look at your attitude. And you preach repentance of sin. And you're deep. If that's what that gets, I'll go with Joel Light. 
I'm sitting with Joel in his house in Houston, chilling. You know, we're that close. I'm doing this serious show, right, XM. And I said, seriously, Joel, I mean, haven't you heard about this guy who's criticizing you? A Christian preacher who's semi-famous. He said, who is that? Wait, 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 wait. No, no, Benny, I, I don't know who that is. He's who told me, changed my life. He said, I just believe everybody I meet loves me. You are so deceived. Why would you live that way? Can't you live like all of us? Depressed, down, thinking everybody is against us, nobody likes us. But you think he links it to positive thinking, but he links it to the one who's backing him up. If God be for me, who can be against me? Unconditionally loved, unconditionally sent, I am favored, I am blessed, and no devil, no demon, no principality, no storm can stop the favor of God on my life. I have an open heaven. I'm not going to focus on a closed door when I have an open heaven over my life. It does no good for you when people come up. Do you know what they're saying about you on Facebook? Facebook is for old people. I don't go there. I'm on TikTok. Yeah, I threw shade on some of you. That's why Facebook has to change their name to Meta. Trying to be cool. I don't care. Don't come up to me and tell you. you know, unless you say, hey, Pastor, you know what this person said? You're the greatest preacher in America. They have revelation. Hey, pastor, this person really likes you. They think you're funny. Ha <laughs> they got wisdom. I don't need, and listen, you would be good to shed yourself of negativity and negative people and people that are bearer of bad news. Well, I'm just living in reality. I don't want that reality. I want the kingdom reality that God is still working all things out for my good. Your responses are always linked to your perception. So watch this. Disciples are, ah, they scream, scared. Why? Because it's getting in. What gets in determines how you respond. What's Jesus doing? Sleeping. The boat is rocking. It's rocking. Rock the boat. Don't rock the boat, baby. Rock the boat. Don't tip the boat over. Some of you millennials should actually Google that. It's a good song. Now, let me ask you a question. Has anybody had water thrown on you before when you were sleeping? Can I see your hand? Any, any, okay. Did you stay asleep? Did you want to kill the person that threw water on you? Mm -hmm. Now watch this. Are you, are you reading the same text? Listen, are you reading the same text I'm reading? The waves are, are, are inundating the boat. Jesus is getting wet. He's, I believe Jesus snored. It was, it was a godly snore, but he snored. He's, he is resting in the middle of the storm. I'm not stopped because I want you to think just for a moment as I get ready to close, which is really not going to happen. I have one person that says, keep going, and the rest of the people are like, quietly, please, no. But I'll go with the positive one right here. Amen. What do you do 
when you're in a storm, a situation, a challenge, we're talking about kingdom culture, and God is seemingly silent in your storm. Jesus was silently sleeping. Now, this is crazy because this is why. Because the Hebrew thought is, if God is silent, he is against you and not for you. I could give you scriptures and psalms and everything. But just because, watch me, God is silent. And, I, and I, I, this came from God for you. Don't mistake God's silence for his distance. <laughs> we feel like God is silent, so he must be distant. No. Pastor, what do I do? When God is seemingly silent in the middle of my storm, what do I do, Pastor? Because I'm a human doing, not a human being. Do, do, do. Well, let me tell you what you should do. That's what I do. I remember the last thing that God said to me before I entered the storm. So what did Jesus say? That we're what? Come on, come on, say it out loud. We're what? We're going. We're going to the what? Say it louder. We're going to the what? Say it again. We're going to the what? Did he say we're going to die in the middle? He said we're going to go over to the what? So why were they changing the narrative? When we were going through what we were going through many years ago at Church LV, when the Great Recession hit, and felt like God was silent, we had to keep saying, God, what did you say to us when we came to Vegas? And God said to us, plant a local church. Let it be multicultural, come on, multi-generational, multi-economic, that will display the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And so we knew that God called us to start a church, and we are in the middle of a storm. But he said, no, you're going to start a church. It's going to be flourishing. It's going to be multi-site. It's going to shake the valley. It's going to touch the nations. And you've got to hang on to what God has spoken to you and say, God, I know what you last said. Number five, and I'm done. Fear is linked to a lack of trust, not to surprising storms. It's like they became so fearful, and what did Jesus do? Jesus, now fully awake by the disciples. What did the disciples say? Don't you care that we are dying? Oh, Jesus said we're going over to the other side. Jesus didn't put down the disciples. He didn't rebuke them. He didn't do anything. He said, I'm going to get to you in just a moment. And here's what the Bible says, that Jesus rebuked the wind and he spoke to the sea. Now, this is very important, and you need to listen to your pastor. Listen to me, because I'm going to teach you something. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. There are demonic spirits, and there are evil spirits that are warring against you. And that you need to learn to rebuke the spirits. And you rebuke the spirits not in your authority, but in the name of Jesus. And listen to me. For too long, we've rebuked flesh and blood 
and we've spoken to the enemy. Like, I don't care. People say, when you do deliverance, you need to ask the demon how long he's been there. What's his name? Listen to me. I don't know if you're, I don't need to know your name is Rafa. I don't need to know your name is Raphilium. I don't need to know that you've been there for thousands of years. I could care less, demon, who you are. All I know is I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I, I rebuke you in the name that's above every other name. Come on, somebody. Jesus rebukes the wind, and then he speaks to the sea. The, the sea is a metaphor in the scriptures for the multitude or people. It represents people. We've got to begin to speak to people. I don't, I don't come to my kids. I rebuke you, BJ. <laughs> Stupid that is. I rebuke you, Wendy. We've got to learn to start speaking to one another. The Bible says this. And there was a great calm. The storm ceased. And the disciples say this. Somebody come to keyboards, all locations. And the disciples say this. Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Here's the point. This is, this is, this is, this is, like, this is like extra. This is free for you because you came to 930. The disciples could not sleep in the storm because the storm was their focus and Jesus was their distraction. What we do, if we're not careful, we make church a distraction. We come to church to distract us from reality as we say it. It's like when we go to movies, I just need a distraction, let's go to a movie. I just need a distraction, let's go out to eat. I just need a distraction. And what the world has done is conditioned the church to say, yeah, you can go to church once a, once a week and it's a good distraction for you, but that's not reality. But rather, my friends, Jesus should not be a distraction. Jesus should be our focus. Let me say it to you this way. The storms and the trials, they should be distractions. But Jesus remains our focus. Well, I got distracted for a moment, but I'm back focused on Jesus. I got distracted by this situation with my father, but, but you know what? Jesus is my focus. I know that there's things that are going on, and I could be distracted for a moment, but I'm going to be focused in on Jesus. So what? What we're doing here <laughs> is we're getting you to stop being distracted by the things that are going to fade away and putting your focus back on Jesus. That's why when we say read your Bible, it's not for a checklist. Come on, pray. It's not for a checklist. Stay in community. It's not for a checklist. Come on, have some worship going on on Monday as you're going to work. It's not a checklist. All of that helps you to remain focused on the one who will bring you through every situation you're facing in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody, I'm done. Can you give God a big hand clap right now?